Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney. Where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hey friends, in our last episode, we began the coworker study together. And we looked at the first two chapters of Genesis, the first two chapters of Acts, just to lay the foundation for the study of how women were involved in the first work of the church. And so three big things that we pulled out of that study from Genesis and from Acts is that both men and women are full image bearers, we bear the image of God, uh, both have full access to the Spirit, um, and both are expected to be involved in God's body, in the church, and in the work of the church. And so from that foundation today, Shaney is going to lead us through a study of several of the women that are mentioned in the New Testament, both in the book of Acts and in several of the epistles, so that you can get a picture, uh, a more full picture of how women were involved in that work. So it is going to be uh, 10 characters, 10 women that are mentioned in the scriptures. It's going to take a little bit of time. And so I encourage you, if you need to, as Shaney is walking through these, you can just hit pause open up the Bible, go to the place that she has referenced, and read those scriptures for yourself. But it really is important that we see just the breadth and the scope of how women were involved in the the first work of the church. So for that, I'm going to turn it over to Shaney. Okay, well, you do need to buckle up, because we're going to cover a lot. And I'm just going to go from example to example And as Jesse said, these are 10 examples of women being used by God. Okay, so number one, in Acts chapter four, eight and nine, we see women, men and women that are boldly preaching the gospel in the face of much danger and at great cost to their families. So in Acts four, This is when the first act of persecution came against the church, and the men and women responded by praying for continued boldness in the face of threats. Persecution rose far beyond mere threats to a church leader being killed in chapter 7, verse 60, and an organized persecution breaking out against the church, and that's in 8, verse 1. Saul was going to believers' homes— dragging men and women to prison. And believers began fleeing from Jerusalem, leaving their homes and their livelihoods behind. But these Jerusalem brothers and sisters did not quiet down. And as they fled to new places where their lives were in danger, they still went about preaching the word, Acts 8, 4. And for some of them, that preaching would result in prison or death. So that is example number one, bold gospel proclaimers, men and women. Number two is Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, Sapphira is an interesting example because when Ananias and Sapphira secretly kept some of the proceeds from their property, Peter held both of them equally responsible for their sin. Now, They both died, so it's not a very fun example to think about, but I think it actually can be encouraging for women because it shows that church leaders had equally high expectation of men and women's faithfulness and fruitfulness. And while Sapphira was to submit to her husband, she clearly wasn't to follow him into sin. 
Peter had equal expectations of faithfulness and holiness in Ananias and Sapphira's lives. Number three is Tabitha, Acts 3, sorry, Acts 9, 36 to 43. Tabitha was a disciple in Joppa. She was a seamstress and a seemingly ordinary woman, but she was known for her good works and her acts of charity. And God chose to raise Tabitha from the dead, and he used her to draw many people in her community to salvation. In 1 Timothy, Paul instructs all women to be known for good works, just like Tabitha was. And God often used ordinary, faithful people like Tabitha to expand his kingdom. Number four, Mary, the mother of John Mark. In Acts 12, 1 through 17, we read about an incident in Mary's life, in the life of the early church. Now, Mary, at this time, was hosting church in her home, and this was where some of the believers gathered to pray in a really difficult time. Their leader, James, had been violently killed by the sword. Their leader, Peter, was in prison, and meanwhile, the church was gathered at Mary's praying. And the fact that Luke described Mary's house with no mention of a husband may suggest that Mary was a widow. But whether her husband was alive or not, Mary exhibited great faith and leadership by gathering believers in her home to pray in a time when believers were being killed. So as we continue reading, we're going to see hospitality continuing to show up in the lives of early church women. Remember, there were thousands of believers, men, women, and children, meeting and sharing meals together daily in homes. Also, I want to point out that Mary was the mother of John Mark. And in Acts 15.39, Acts 12.25, and Acts 15.39, we see that Mary's son, John Mark, joined Barnabas and Saul's mission team and was assisting them in proclaiming the word of God, again, facing much persecution. Number five is Eunice and Lois. This is the mother and grandmother of Timothy. So we read about Eunice and Lois in 2 Timothy 1.5 and 3.15. And in Acts chapter 16, we learn that while Paul was in Lystra, he met a disciple named Timothy. And Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he wrote that Timothy had a sincere faith that dwelt first in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. So possibly Timothy's mom and grandma were saved when Paul proclaimed the gospel in Lystra on his first missionary journey in Acts 14. And it seems that Eunice's Greek husband was not saved. And Paul gives Lois and Eunice credit for teaching the scriptures to Timothy as a child. And Timothy became one of Paul's closest disciples and co-workers. Paul called Timothy his beloved child in the faith in 1 Timothy 1, 2. 
And so I love these examples of Mary, the mother of John Mark, Eunice, the mother of Timothy, just seeing faith-filled women who release their children to be missionaries in times of dangerous persecution, and seeing Eunice and Lois know and teach God's word to their children. Okay, number six is Lydia. Now, when Paul and his co-workers went to Philippi, they arrived at the place of prayer. This is in Acts 16. And they found a group of women. They didn't keep walking. They sat down and began preaching to these women. And Lydia was saved at this time. She was the first in her family to be saved. Helped, she helped to bring the gospel to her family. And when she was saved and her entire family placed their faith in Christ, Paul and his co-workers baptized Lydia's whole family, and Lydia insisted that they stay at her house. When Paul and his co-workers later were put in prison and then released from prison, after having been stripped and beaten, they went straight to Lydia's house to encourage the believers there. So... Lydia was a businesswoman, and she is another example of a hospitable woman hosting church, uh, hosting believers in her home. So again, I'll just point out, like Mary, like Eunice, Scripture doesn't really indicate that Lydia had a spiritual leader as a husband. She could have been married, she could have been single, but she seems to have been the most spiritually active member of her home and was a dear sister to Paul and his co-workers. Okay, number seven is Priscilla, one of my favorites, Acts chapter 18. And Priscilla was one of Paul's co-workers doing the same types of missionary work as Paul, traveling to new places, preaching the gospel, and forming new churches in their homes. So when Paul met Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth, he was welcomed into their home, and he stayed with them for a year and a half. This is in Acts 18, 1 through 3 and 11. It seems like Paul probably taught Priscilla and Aquila in gospel proclamation and church planting work while he was in Corinth, because Paul took them with him to Ephesus, where they eventually hosted a church in their home. We see that in 1 Corinthians 16, 19. And then again later in Romans 16, we see that Aquila and Priscilla moved to Rome and hosted a house church there as well. Now, something that I love about Priscilla that I think is so interesting, Priscilla and Aquila are always mentioned together. They're always mentioned as a couple. Paul commended Priscilla to the Roman church for her influential role in encouraging many churches. And in Romans 16, which we will look at again a bit later, but Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. So Priscilla and Aquila in their gospel work were risking their lives and all of the churches of the Gentiles gave thanks for them. So she and her husband were very influential in the missionary work that Paul was doing. 
Priscilla also, later in Acts chapter 18, we see that she also took part in providing needed correction to Apollos. So Apollos was a great teacher and preacher, and Priscilla and her husband took him aside and explained the word, the way of God to him more accurately. Priscilla obviously knew God's word well, and she helped correct a male preacher. She saw a need, and she stepped up, and she helped correct this male preacher. And Apollos traveled on and continued to preach and powerfully refute the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So we know from Colossians 3.16 that every believer is to know and teach God's word. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I just love how Priscilla is such an example of a woman who knew God's word and she was ready to share it to sharpen brothers and sisters in her life. Okay, number eight are four daughters of Philip who prophesied. So this is a really short little reference, but I want to point it out in Acts 21, eight through nine. So Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he stopped to spend several days with Philip the evangelist, which you will, may remember Philip was one of the seven deacons in the Jerusalem church. And Luke specifically mentions that Paul, Philip had four unmarried daughters that prophesied. Now, we don't know any other specifics about these women, but Luke did intentionally include it in his record. And we also know from Acts 1 and 2 that Peter, in his great sermon on Pentecost, he referred to Joel's prophecy that the Holy Spirit would fall on all flesh and that sons and daughters would prophesy and see visions. So, Philip's prophetess daughters are another recorded example of God's fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. So these women were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were presumably using the gift of prophecy to edify the church, as Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Number nine. Number nine, we're going to look at Paul's female missionary co-workers. So we're going to look at Romans 16. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible on this topic. In Romans 16, Paul greets several people in the Roman church, and there are 29 individuals listed. Ten of these women, ten of these individuals are women. So if you want a Bible drill challenge, read Romans 16 and see if you can circle 10 women from this list. I'm going to mention several of them for you. Phoebe, Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deaconess of the church at Kincray, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and myself as well. 
So here we see an example of a deaconess in the church, and Paul is commending her, and he is telling the Roman church to help her, to provide for her. And he is bragging on her that she has helped many people, including him. Priscilla, greet Priscilla and Aquila. We've already talked about Priscilla and Aquila, but again, here Paul calls them fellow workers. They have risked their lives, their necks for Paul. And again, it shows the influence they have as all the churches of the Gentiles gave thanks for Priscilla and Aquila. And they were doing this church planting work. Paul is referring to a church meeting in their home in Rome. In verse 6, we see Mary, who has worked hard for you. In verse 7, Paul greets Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles or among the apostles. So Junia was in jail with Paul, and she was well known to the apostles. So another influential, faithful, bold woman. Verse 12, Tryphena and Tryphosa are workers in the Lord. Verse 13, Paul greets Rufus's mother and says that she had been a mother to him as well. I love seeing Paul talk so affectionately to this mother in Christ to him, someone who took him in and cared for him as her own son. Paul also refers to Julia and Nereus's sister and One other quick scripture passage um, as we're talking about missionary co-workers. In Philippians 4, 2 through 3, Paul refers to Yodia and Syntyche, and he says to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. So in Romans 16 and in Philippians 4, we see so many examples of female co-workers laboring side by side with Paul in mission work. And Paul commends them. He speaks of them um, as being influential and effective in starting churches among the Gentiles. We see women being imprisoned, risking their lives for the gospel. And we see that they were valued and cared for cared for by Paul. I love how he speaks to them as sisters, as mothers, and showed value and care and just genuinely loved them. Okay, number 10, our last one. This is another really quick reference. But in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, we see that some of the apostles, including Peter, had wives traveling and serving with them. So this is the apostles' wives. Um, In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul lists several rights that he gave up in order to win more people to Christ. And one of those rights was a believing wife. But other apostles, including the brothers of Christ and Peter, had believing wives that they took alongside them as they served, preached, and traveled. So apparently... Some wives were able to serve in gospel work alongside their husbands without neglecting their God-given responsibilities to manage their households well. And so wives, mothers, we have the privilege of both managing our homes, loving and caring for our children and our husbands, and also working alongside our husbands in mission work. 
And so I love that both of these are responsibilities and opportunities that God gives us to be used by Him. So there is the list of 10 examples from the New Testament of God using women. Whew. So thanks, honey, for walking through that. This is, um, it was like we said, we just, we asked at the beginning that you would buckle up and prepare yourselves to walk through these in detail, but I hope you see the value of it. What we wanted to communicate through this is it really is powerful. If you take the time to read through the New Testament and see all the ways that God used women, it really is powerful. And so this survey, it just shows the powerful, the diverse ways that women were used by God all throughout the New Testament. Uh, It shows us the ways that they were considered co-equals and literally co-workers in the work. That very word, that Greek word that's translated as co-workers is used um, many times throughout the scriptures in the New Testament to describe the people that labored alongside of Paul in his work, whether they were a particular part of his team, whether they were laboring in a different place. But many of these people, including these women that he commended as his co-workers, that specific word is used. And so just to know that these women shared equally in the work, just like Shani was saying, they suffered alongside of Paul, they were proclaiming the gospel alongside of Paul, they were participating in church planting alongside of Paul and his team. And so that's very clear from the scriptures as we do this study. And so what that means for us, hopefully what it means for you, is that we can rejoice in one another's gifts, we can uh, lift up women as we are laboring alongside of them, and we can expect much of one another. And there is no cookie cutter, hopefully you saw through this survey, there's no cookie cutter way that those co-workers, those co-laborers serve in the work. There's uh, ways of opening their homes to hospitality, proclaiming the gospel, providing correction, teaching the word of God, but everybody was involved. And so that's what we believe is true for us even now. And that is our hope and our prayer for you as you also step out and you become a part of God's mission.